Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs, and I'm pleased today to be joined by two very special guests, Lieutenant Colonel Jose Marin, the commander of OSI's 1st Field Investigation Squadron, and Senior Master Sergeant Jason Clark, the Superintendent of the 1st Field Investigation Squadron. Gentlemen, welcome aboard. It's so glad to see you on your first podcast today. Thank you for having us, Wayne. Glad I appreciate to be here. it, sir. Uh, Colonel, let's uh, dive right in, shall we, uh, with you to lead things off uh, on this edition of OSI Today. As the first FIS commander, you oversee the protective service operations for the Department of the Air Force high-risk personnel based in the continental United States. Now, for our listeners not familiar with that OSI mission set, in layman's terms, what exactly is PSO, as it's commonly called, and what is it designed to do? Absolutely. So the easiest way to think about OSI Protective Service Operations is to think about it in terms of what the U.S. Secret Service does for the President, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Except that we do it for the Department of the Air Force senior leaders, mm -hmm. um, as identified by the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. I see. And so like you mentioned, uh, the senior leaders that we are charged to protect are called high-risk personnel, mm -hmm. uh, or HRP. So their HRP status is determined by a variety of factors, mm -hmm. uh, but most notably is the person's position and specific threat level associated either with their position or for to them as an individual. Right. Could you give us a couple of examples of uh, those, those types of individuals that you protect? Absolutely. So OSI has uh, 10 HRP that we are assigned to protect. Mm -hmm. uh, of which the first field investigation squadron, our squadron, first phase is responsible for eight. Oh, wow. And so okay. these include the de uh, Department of the Air Force top three, so mm -hmm. Secretary of the Air Force, Chief of Staff of the Air Force, uh, Chief of Staff of, uh, my apologies, the CSO, Chief of Space right, Operations. Right. Sure, sure. Uh, four combatant commanders, the DIA director, uh, the Commu Safety commander, mm -hmm. as well as the CFAC in CENTCOM. Wow, yeah, those are a lot of uh, impressive uh, uh, acronyms, but uh, uh, needless to say, I'm sure each one has a very important person that uh, belongs to that particular acronym. Absolutely, yes. So definitely a lot of acronyms, but essentially what it comes down to is uh, our folks and generals, essentially four-star generals uh, usually, and there are folks that the Department of Defense has deemed that by virtue of their position and the threat to that position or themselves require protection. I see. I see. Very interesting. Uh, switching over to you, uh, Sergeant Clark. Yes, uh, sir. Uh, now, having written a few articles about PSO, like we had uh, discussed uh, off microphone, I understand that there's a considerable preparation process that goes into each PSO mission before mm -hmm. the uh, OSI special agents down those uh, signature sunglasses while on duty. Uh, could you kind of elaborate in general, uh, what are some of those uh, typical preparations? What would they entail, for instance? So. Yes, sir. They, they, there's a lot that goes into the the preparation and processes that the the field agent security forces members do prior to any mission or movement. Right. Uh, there are extensive uh, trips that they take out, doing route surveys, site mm. surveys, uh, liaisoning with local law enforcement, federal law enforcement, or even they could um, uh, speak with. Uh, a, a particular facilities uh, security manager, things like that, to find yeah. the nuance in a, in, in a building like that. Anything that they can find that may prepare them for an incident against one of our one of our uh, protected individuals. So a lot of scouting goes into this. Absolutely, yeah. yes, sir. They 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 can 
they can put considerable amount of time based off of how many stops a mission is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there can be upwards of a uh, week, two weeks time just in mission prep and planning wow. to, to, to get it done right, to make sure that, that they're accounting for uh, anything that could possibly happen uh, uh-huh. uh, during a during an individual mission. Wow. And I would add, you know, yeah, go so ahead, for, for PSOs, our primary job and purpose in, in our protection is to prevent either accidental injury, mm-hmm. embarrassment, physical assault, or death, right? Yeah. That is our number one responsibility. So right. the reality is that our protective service operation uh, officers, uh, like Senior Clark was mentioning, they make it look easy, right? We show up, we've got our two black Suburbans, we're looking great in our sunglasses, we've got these fancy earpieces, we go into the building, we come out of the building, and nobody else is a wiser, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is that to ensure that the principal is protected, that they're not embarrassed, a lot of planning does go into it. Sure. uh, Often entailing uh, partnering with our U.S. law enforcement agencies Mm -hmm. at a local, state, or federal level, engagement with members of Congress and their staff, uh, engagement with the White House personnel to ensure easy access and entry for a variety of different meetings, right. um, as well as in our uh, overseas missions. It involves a lot of coordinating and planning with uh, high-ranking embassy officials, right. uh, as well as host nation law enforcement and security officials, often at a very national level. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the folks that we look for and that we recruit, they're actually executing this mission. It's a lot of responsibility, right? Because oh, sure, they are sure. the face of OSI and the face of security forces at some yeah. very high level uh, engagements to ensure mm-hmm. that these operations go w- without a hitch. And, and as Sergeant Clark was mentioning, there's a lot of interaction with other agencies, uh, I would imagine, especially when uh, you know uh, we're talking about being overseas like that. Uh, uh, you mentioned Host Nation, uh, uh, a lot of different agencies come into play. And uh, uh, when it works well, I guess uh, it, it comes across very seamlessly. Absolutely. Uh, but it definitely takes uh, a lot of planning, a lot of effort, a lot of coordination, um, especially those overseas missions. When you think about, you know, what does it take to get a weapon into a foreign country? Mm-hmm. All the clearances that you have to go through, uh, yeah. as well as, you know, eliciting any threat information with that within that country itself yeah. Uh, yeah. that may affect the mission. So, yeah. you, know, soup, you know, on a two-hour mission, Right on a typical two-hour mission, how long would you say that our uh, our personnel spend planning for that two-hour mission? For a two-hour mission, by the time you run a a route, secondary route, uh, do all of your site surveys, documenting, making your points of contacts, mm-hmm. uh, reaching out to those 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 folks, you can you can easily spend. Uh, two, three, eight-hour days just in running routes and, and doing mission prep for something like that. Just for a two-hour two two mission, mission uh, that would be as easy as pick up, uh, taking a, a principal or a, a protectee to a any numerous uh, uh, venues, vacancy, and, sure, and, and sure. then on a return. Wow, it's a, a lot of behind the scenes that goes uh, goes into PSO. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Sergeant Clark, uh, before we dive into a couple of newsworthy events uh, revolving around OSI protective service operations uh, of late, uh, how gratifying is it to see the way uh, your fellow PSO personnel have adapted and overcome the challenges of the the big elephant in the room, the Mm COVID-19 pandemic, as far as uh, keeping their performance of their mission at such a high level around the world? It must be, you know, gratifying for everyone in uh, the PSO field to, to know that, uh, you know, a pandemic uh, 
doesn't deter you guys uh, and gals uh, one bit. Right, no, sir, and it, and it has been challenging. So one thing that, that you see time and time again with the pandemic and the COVID is what? It's, it, it's space, you know, create that space and distance yeah. uh, amongst the, the person to your right or to your left and, and, and social distancing and, and, and things like that. Does that make, I didn't mean to interrupt, but does it make, make it more difficult when you're trying to, uh, you know, protect that, uh, that, that person of high interest? Uh, that distancing uh, must really uh, create an extra challenge for you. Right. Just by virtue of our job, we want to be in close to our principal so we can have a better time, a better reaction time to provide that protective service to that customer. Uh -huh. So it, it makes things very difficult for us, but, we, but we've done well uh, coming up with mitigating factors, uh, vehicle sanitation. We have to make sure that, that those things are cleaned inside and out and every time that, that we do a changeover or turnaround making sure that we're still adhering to our training requirements and, and, and staying safe and healthy because at the end of the day, right now, while we're moving forward to having a, a more robust uh, team on the ground mm -hmm. to, to, mm -hmm. to better provide that service, right. uh, if, if I got a team that goes down sick and, and, and I've I got to then worry about how do I replace them, how do I keep the mission going, things yeah, like that. So yeah. we, we have to be, keep a very, very close eye on how we – uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and, and mitigate those instances in, in, in contracting any kind of uh, virus to include yeah. uh, coronavirus. So the mission just keeps on going. Yes, sir. It, it's not going to stop. One way or the other, <laughs> people still got to get to places. Colonel Marin, uh, speaking globally, uh, PSO detachments overseas generally have you know the same mission skill sets as stateside agents, but their locations, as we mentioned earlier, and you did, uh, uh, present some very unique challenges. Uh, how do the overseas units differ from their stateside counterparts organizationally and in the way they uh, approach their respective duties? No, absolutely. So organizationally, uh, as we mentioned earlier, eight out of the ten units, uh, PSO units that we have, fall under one phase. So organizationally speaking, the, uh, the two units that remain are overseas units. Mm -hmm. uh, so organizationally speaking, they fall under a different, two different regions. Okay. Um, and so region five is responsible for providing support in uh, Europe. Right. And right. so detachment 501 operates uh, out of Germany. And so they are responsible for providing uh, security support to the Air Force's top general in the European Command. Right. Uh, right. And so in that regard, you know, they have their own challenges, uh, in particular right now with COVID and the mm -hmm. amount of travel restrictions. Yeah. I'll probably add that one of the challenging aspects of that particular job overseas is the uh, the varying COVID um, requirements in terms of quarantine, right? Ah, yeah, so yeah. where we would normally send one of our protective officers ahead of time to mm -hmm. do some advance work and do coordination. and and kind of be our eyes and ears on the ground before right. the principal arrives, Sure, you know, sometimes we don't have that option. And so it's having to rely on either local detachments that are, are currently there to do, to set that groundwork for them um, and or work with our embassy personnel uh, and partner with Department of State, the regional security officer, for example, and his staff or her yeah. staff uh, to be able to help facilitate that. So uh, organizationally speaking, that's a little bit of the different, as you mentioned, our standard operating procedures are pretty uh, uh, standard across the board. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other kind of uniqueness is that uh, from our overseas units that we have is the detachment or the unit that supports the Combined Forces Air Component Commander, right? Okay. Uh, and so they operate in the CENTCOM AOR, uh, you know, think uh, Qatar, Iraq, Afghanistan, and that is the general that's in charge of all the air assets. 
uh, over the CENTCOM AOR. And so a lot of the challenges that they face, you know, a little bit different than maybe how we operate while we're operating mainly in, in suits and, in, in, you know, uh, in our day-to-day -day operations. Right, right. These guys are operating, gals are operating in uh, full tactical gear, you know, often in very high temperatures sure. uh, day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And so while, you know, we may be drained or our, our airmen may be drained at the end of the day because they've worked 16 hours or 18 hour shifts, you know, uh, the folks that are in that particular environment are, uh, it's that much more arduous on them to right. make sure that they provide the level of, of professionalism uh, and protection that is required uh, for that principle and to operate in that AOR. Well, it's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, it must be a, a tough job even before COVID hit. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Lots of, uh, of, of in and out of helicopters, in and out of up-armored vehicles, uh, obviously a, a litany of different political environments um, to, to kind of navigate through. Yeah, and yeah. Um, a lot of our airmen are relatively young airmen. They are staff tech sergeants, a uh, few master sergeants here and there. Uh -huh. And so we place a lot of trust and confidence in our young airmen uh, to go out there to execute the mission um, and to execute it flawlessly every single time. So when we say that PSO is a no-fail mission, I mean, you can imagine the, the fallout of something as simple as one of these principles falling or slipping or somebody throwing something at them or them being injured. That could have been prevented, uh, maybe. That could have been prevented. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I'm extremely proud of, of, of the level of performance of every one of our airmen that, that executes this mission day in and day out. That's a heck of a responsibility for, uh, for a young airman. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, sir, uh, these are some pretty exciting times, uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, for OSI PSO. Uh, the first event involved the recent uh, reorganization of the nine stateside protective service teams under the first FIS leadership team. Uh, what was the uh, rationale behind the uh, realignment, and uh, what exactly will be different? Absolutely. So um, being a veteran uh, personal security advisor myself, I was, I've been able to execute the mission prior to this consolidation and afterwards. Um, so I definitely see a lot of the, the benefits that come along to it. Really when it comes down to it, with the change in our national security posture, uh, there was a high demand for counterintelligence support throughout, the, uh, throughout OSI, right. right? And on behalf right. of the Department of the Air Force. So OSI had to take a look at how do we reallocate our small agent pool to um, those resources, counterintelligence resources, while still being able to execute our mission set? Right. So that's one right. of the driving factors. And so protective service operations lend itself uh, because it was very heavily on the agent side of the house, ah, right? We right. had security right. forces uh, defender teammates that were part of our team, uh, but they were detailed to us. We didn't necessarily have uh, administrative control over them. They could get pulled out at any time uh, as needed. And so with this change, uh, OSI actually received a number of uh, security forces billets that are now on OSI unit manning documents, making First FIS the first truly joint OSI security forces unit uh, yeah. in its history. So yeah. traditionally we've partnered with our Defender teammates for right. like dr dr joint drug enforcement teams mm -hmm. or joint sexual assault teams. Uh, but again, those members have usually detailed to OSI. Right. Right. And so, you know, to as a testament of, of this joint OSI partnership that we have, 
uh, Senior Clark is the first sitting superintendent on an OSI unit uh, as a defender. So he still carries his, his three Papa uh, AFSC, as you see the tab on his left shoulder, it still go. says SF. Yeah, SF, yeah. And uh, yeah. so it's a great partnership. And so those yeah. are some of the things that kind of led up to it. You know, some of the benefits of the realignment, I think, is that it provides a better C2 structure mm -hmm. uh, before uh, the vast majority of these teams uh, fell under uh, three different regions. And so uh, different detachment commanders, different region commanders. Um, and so with this providing a central C2, there's a lot of benefit uh, to the, not only the organizational structure, but also the opportunities for recognition, for promotion, for development, uh, for instilling standard operating procedures, and more importantly, interoperability amongst the teams, ah, right? Yeah, yeah. So now as I own all of these teams, if I have a, a person, a, a team that's short on people because they've got people going to professional military education right. or someone just had a baby or got married, I mean, yeah. life happens. Life happens. That's right. And uh, <laughs> our folks need to, you know, decompress as well and sure. take leave, which, sure. whereas before they, they, they didn't have the ability to do that. I now have the ability to plug and play from within our different PSD units because they're all trained to the same standards. We have the same SOPs and oh, by the way, we have one C2 structure, right? Uh -huh. I think another benefit that came from this is right-sizing the teams. And so, you know, Soup and I were talking about just a few minutes ago about how much time and effort goes into these missions. I mean, our airmen uh, have typically been on the road 200 plus days out of the year, wow. right? That's incredible. Um, supporting these missions. Yeah. Now think about doing that with a team of four people, right? So historically, uh, these teams have been manned uh, Pretty, pretty small, right? We're talking about probably before the reorganization, the largest team we had was probably about five. Yeah, um, yeah. And probably the smallest team that we had was two or three, wow. right? And so uh, what this allowed us to do is to move to what we call a two and six concept, mm -hmm. where every team now uh, has two agents that uh, bear the primary responsibility uh, for the direction of the team. Okay. Uh, but then that team is also comprised of six defenders. And so now everybody awesome. has eight people on their team to help share that workload, yeah, uh, which yeah. is a direct result of, uh, of this reorganizational structure. Sue, yeah. did, did I miss anything? Anything you think uh, you would want to add? No, sir. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and obviously, and, it sounds like it also yeah. takes a lot of stress off of uh, uh, the, the, the OSI folks as well as the, uh, the SF people because uh, uh, when they're all working in concert like that, uh, you know, it does become a team concept instead of a, you know, we more than me, I guess, type of a thing. Oh, uh, 100%. Um, and I think what it also does is that it expands just, um, just opportunities, right? So where before um, you could probably see it as a little bit stovepiped because you had a specialty that mm -hmm. fell under a particular detachment or region, right? Um, you only had one master sergeant on the team, and right. once you're, you know, if you promoted, you promoted out. Like there was really nowhere else to go. Yeah. And so what this new construct does, and I'm sure Soup can speak a little bit more of the benefits on the defender side of the house, is that it provides an opportunity for growth within the unit. Right. If you come in and you love the experience and you love what you do, you can stick around a little bit longer and still be able to promote, still be able to advance. Yeah. Um, you can, if you're an agent, you can eventually progress to be in charge of one of these teams. Yeah. Uh, having a senior uh, master sergeant billet in the squadron allows uh, for you to leave the specialty, go do other things, grow and develop uh, as a defender, as an airman. 
uh, as an agent, right, and then come right. back into a leadership position. Uh, having that experience having that in experience. your toolbox, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, Very good. A lot of great things with, with this reorganization. Yeah. Uh, now, sir, uh, another uh, significant event on the PSO horizon is the, the stand-up of OSI's first protective intelligence and analysis cell. When is this going to happen, and uh, what will the cell's function be? So it's already happening. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, right now our cell is a cell of one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's something that we are extremely excited about. Right. And so uh, we want to ensure that our our, our protective operations are intel driven. Mm -hmm. Right. Information and intelligence is key to any operation. Right. And in protection, it's no different. We need someone that is looking at the patterns of folks that are calling in or maybe harassing our folks or, or our principals and, or sending uh, you know, threatening emails or letters. Uh, we need someone, uh, a guardian angel, to be looking at our routes and where we're going and what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. So when I, one of our, our, our airmen and our, our defenders are, are getting out there to go do a mission, that they have a really good understanding of what that threat picture and landscape is. Right. And that is what our protective intelligence uh, allows us to do. So we're in a very nascent stages uh, of that. Uh, Ms. Lisa Burlett is heading that department up for the command. And so we so are- She's the groundbreaker for she you. She is the groundbreaker for this. We're very fortunate to have her. She came to us from uh, the Army, mm -hmm. uh, from CID. Um, and she did this type of work there as well. So oh, great reputation. Go. She's a wealth of knowledge. Um, and she's building this capacity not only for First Fizz, but for OSI as a whole. Right. And so right. uh, kind of what the future of that looks like is we are currently, we've, we're done, we've gone through the phase of identifying requirements and how many analysts or, or intelligence specialists are required to do this job. Right. And so we're currently going through the process of now uh, staffing for that. And so okay. we are growing that capability over the next uh, two to five years mm -hmm. uh, to meet the requirements to be able to support all of OSI's protective service uh, details with up-to-date, relevant, um, all-source intelligence information. Uh, mm -hmm. The Dell Dell's in, in in a variety of different ints, as they call them, yeah. uh, to be able to provide a, a good site picture for our operators uh, in protection of that particular principle. Sounds like uh, the best times are still ahead. Oh, the best is yet to come. <laughs> Though I am 100% confident that the way that we do protection today in OSI is going to look vastly different uh, three to five years down the road. Sounds very exciting. Uh, Sergeant Clark, uh, uh, Colonel Marin uh, alluded to this uh, a minute or so ago. Uh, with the new PSO initiatives uh, coming to fruition, uh, there does appear to be some really uh, formidable opportunities in store for those who are wanting to be able to join the PSO ranks. Um, in addition to what uh, the Colonel alluded to before, uh, what are some of the benefits of uh, capitalizing on these new opportunities as, uh, as you see them from, a, say for instance, an SF standpoint? So, so especially from the SF standpoint, not, not only our ability to come in and, and kind of do a manpower assist and, and, and marry ourselves up to our OSI counterparts in, in this joint endeavor, but on the benefit side of security forces, right, all of us, all of us chime in on, on one thing, right? Is breadth of experience. How do we grow ourselves? How do we make ourselves better right, uh, right. In, 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 in our own career paths? And, and this is something that we as a security forces community have always looked at as a very, very uh, sought after mission set to go and work, be a part of, especially mm -hmm. at this level uh, with the joint endeavor with OSI. 
but to be able to take that, uh, gain that experience, work at this level, and then go back and take that back to the career field uh, and continue on with your journey, your Air Force career, and, and what, where that takes you right. is, is invaluable for the members that we are bringing in from the 3P community to, to work this mission set. Right. Now, you, you, you tied into to the next question. I'll ask you that is the same question, uh, uh, Colonel Merritt. Uh, what advice would you give uh, newcomers to OSI, for instance, who believe the future in PSO is for them? I mean, both of you, Colonel, uh, Sergeant uh, Clark, whoever would like to answer that first. So from, from our side is, is uh, I, I know kind of like what the Colonel was saying, yep, it, it, it looks uh, very, very calm and, and, and reserved on the surface uh, as you, you stand out in front of the black SUVs with the suits and the sunglasses, everything like that. Oh, but while, while we're on the subject of sunglasses, I forgot yes, to sir. ask before. What is the specific purpose of wearing those sunglasses? Uh, there's, there's, there's an operational reason for it, right? There, there, there is. It's, it's, it's. Uh, there, there's more than just trying to, you know, make look sure cool. that we, we look cool out there and yeah. that, that we all look. Uh, at, at any juncture in time, and you, you kind of gain these, these little tidbits through training as, as you go through and, right. and learn. But you're always wanting to watch what other people are doing in and around your principal, and that's looking at hands. But you, all, you never want to take attention or bring attention onto yourself you, right. you want to stay kind of the the duck on the pond who who looks calm on the on the surface but the feet are turning underneath and okay. and, and staying very cognizant to your surrounding right. uh, understand where people's hands are who's making aggressive movements who's making uh any any kind of uh threatening gestures towards your principal or mm-hmm. uh things like that so by stuff, them not being able to see your eyes a- uh, you, you have the advantage then because you can pick whatever Negativity is in, in a crowd, for instance, uh, sure. out without sure. uh, them seeing that you're looking right at them. Yeah, you. I mean, you, you can see a lot through peripheral vision. Uh, yeah. So uh, while while you're just uh, seemingly just standing there, hands you know folded in an interview stance or anything like that, but your your eyes are doing a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, staying yeah. very aware of your surrounding uh, and any impending threats. Gotcha. Very good, uh, Colonel. Do you have any uh, other advantages that uh, uh, a newcomer to uh, you know, or advice to, to newcomers to OSI who think that PSO is the, is the direction for them? No, absolutely. I would say if, if you want to be part of an elite team, if you're not afraid of putting in long hours but being part of a rewarding experience uh, in, a, in a real team family environment, uh, if you are interested in wanting to travel the world, I mean, in, in my time in PSO, I've been to over 36 countries. Um, uh, then this is the place you want to be. A lot of frequent flyer miles. A lot of frequent flyer miles, that's for sure. Um, You know, and so, you know, this is the place. Those are the type of people that we want. You know, if this type of work excites you, if you want to be part of an elite team, if you are autonomous, if you like to work on your, by your own and on your team, if you want to be garner, uh, provided a a wealth of trust and confidence. Um, And then also, if you, if very few people get an opportunity to peek behind the curtain, Mm-hmm. to see how the sausage is made, how our leaders, our senior leaders think, Good point, how yeah. policy yeah. is being made, right? Um, you are right there. You are right there. You yeah. are the fly in the wall. As a matter of fact, on the officer side of the house, for our professional military education, uh, we actually have fellowships by which we send, the Air Force uh, uh, sends or, or picks high-performing officers to go shadow a senior officer, right? And right. that they count as professional development. Right. And so as a staff sergeant, as a tech, as a master, I mean, you have an opportunity to do exactly that without wasting 
a, uh, a PME chip, right? A professional military education chip. You get to, to hear and listen how decisions are made, where are we going as a department, uh, how is it that key leaders make very difficult decisions. And those are all things that I think help us grow and develop us in this thing that we call the profession of arms. So right. more than leaving one phase or leaving the PSO community, knowing how to shoot, knowing how to drive, yeah. you know, daunting sun, fancy sunglasses, doing a lot of shooting and moving and ramming of vehicles in our training environment. Checking all the boxes. You know, checking all of those boxes. You know, more than that, you leave the PSO a better airman. Uh, understanding how to lead, how, to, uh, how our senior leaders make decisions and you take that directly back to whether you're a defender in your community and how you apply it there or whether you're an agent and now you're going to go supervise uh, other agents and other OSI mission sets. I think a lot of what we learned behind the curtain just being a fly on the wall uh, completely uh, directly translate to our ability to lead within our command and to understand the type of information that our senior leaders need and require in order to make those type of decisions. And so, uh, I mean, you probably could tell, but this kind of stuff excites me. I'm very oh, passionate sure, about sure. mentorship. I'm very passionate about leadership and developing our airmen. And uh, oftentimes when we look at protection, we don't think about those things, right? We think about the, the guys in the vehicles, they drive and, and they go you know, to the hotels or they're in airplanes. Right. So there's a lot more that goes to that. So. Uh, to the folks that are listening, if this is something that you're passionate about, something that you're interested, if you want to grow, if you want to challenge yourself um, as a person and as an airman, we wholeheartedly invite you to come and join the PSO team, whether it's in one Fizz or DEP 501 or whether it's in the CFAC team. Uh, we welcome uh, our agents to want to come and apply. Uh, we have a, uh, a, a, you know, I'm on the global. Uh, I'm easily found on the global right. at uh, jose.marin.2 at us.af.mil. Um, we'll be more than happy to uh, provide any documentation or any process on how you apply and what that process looks like right. and, and kind right. of some of those requirements uh, that are involved. Very good. Well said, sir. Uh, we're about to wrap up, so is there anything else uh, that either of you would like to add? No, just. Uh uh, speaking of opportunities to come and do this mission and this job set right now, we are hiring 36 defenders. We are onboarding right now as we speak. Uh, advertisements are going out through the um, uh, assignment management system. And if, if anyone is interested in throwing your name in the hat to compete to come work for OSI doing the PSO mission, uh, those, those advertisements will be coming out shortly. Very good. Anything else, Colonel? No, sir. I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. Uh, our guests have been Lieutenant Colonel Jose Marin, the commander of OSI's 1st Field Investigation Squadron, and Senior Master Sergeant Jason Clark, the superintendent of the 1st Field Investigation Squadron. Gentlemen, once again, thanks to both of you for taking the time to be with us. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks Thank for you. having us, sir. And for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. For OSI Today, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.